What's up, everyone? Welcome to a special episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I'm your host, SBJ. With me, I have Kid. K-I-D-D. Not a kid. The kid. The kid. Kid Stark. Hey, how's it going? So, Kid, you've been on before. You're you're in the Milwaukee area. We played a lot of TCG together, and I'm playing TCG again. So then you were like, hey, I'm going to talk to Steve. And we're going to bring you up to speed. Yeah. yeah. So I've been playing a little bit of P-T-C-G-O. That is real hard to say. A real quick story before we get in. We're going to do like a crash course to help people get into the TCG. We're going to talk about the decks that are kind of competitive right now. Kids been playing tournaments. But a uh, quick aside, we played pretty religiously for like two and a half years straight. Oh, yeah. I top-cutted like twice, maybe. <laughs> I top-cutted to regionals. That was like my biggest oh, accomplishment yeah. yep. with, uh, with Darkrai. Darkrai, yep. Then the format slowly changed. I think the last deck I really remember was something to do with Hypnotoxic Laser. Yeah, that was a good card. Yeah, And I was like, I'm done with this format, and everyone laughed, but then I actually did quit. (laughs) And now I'm coming back, and I've played a couple of the decks that you've suggested. I actually really do like the format, but you kept on playing. Yeah, almost continuously, a little bit on and off, but I stayed playing almost continuously since you quit, yeah. Is this a format that you enjoy, or has it, like, has there been a format in, like, the last year that you enjoyed more? There isn't a format I can remember that has this many viable decks in it. I really liked, there was a Worlds format. Worlds Vancouver, I think, had a lot of viable decks in it too. But this is the last time since then, and first time since then, rather, that I think there's been this many good decks that are all like worth playing, can win a tournament. And why I think this is really important to go through it all with you, you can see any of the potential things you could be playing against that all could beat you because nothing's just really bad. Yeah, so if somebody was just starting, because, you know, I've started streaming the TCG every Monday night and every Friday afternoon, and there are a lot of people that show up and they're like, I don't know what this means. What's going on? Is this a good time to get in the format? And if so, what should people be buying or should just people stick to TCGO for now? Yeah, I think that it's worth buying physical cards if you're planning on playing competitively, going to tournaments in your area. The online game is really good, actually, and this has also kind of a nuisance you've gotten back and into the game, is that the trading card game online used to be so buggy, just really hard to play, didn't really mean anything, there wasn't anything to earn by playing a lot, no rewards either. So now there is, you know, a relatively large incentive to play and that you can earn coins to buy more packs, and that just the game is more forgiving of not knowing about what bugs are happening, and it's more forgiving of, you know, people didn't play uh, Pokemon online because you couldn't get all the cards online for a while. You weren't able to get cards like Tropical Beach. Now all the cards are available pretty pretty easily available online. Even like old cards that are no yeah, they even the have form. an expanded form or a p- legacy format they call it, which goes back all the way to Heart Gold, which isn't really a sanctioned format by Pokemon, but they have you know cards going back to Heart Gold, Soul Silver, and they are relatively available. But you know, I do think this is a good time to get into the online game because you can really get by without spending any money. Um, it's a good time to get into the competitive play, too, because the world's invite is more attainable than ever. There's more tournaments than ever, more regional sized, more even on a local level, more tournaments. So I think competitive Pokemon is a lot more accessible than it used to be. Cool. We'll probably circle back, uh, but we have some deck lists in front of us. I've always built decks based off Pokemon I've liked, and that's kind of been a downfall for me. Yeah, I me mean, too. Maybe, me too. Maybe that's why I like my Darkrai deck did so well, because I actually do like Darkrai a lot. 
Uh, and then when you told me that there was still a Garbodor card that was active, I was like, I bet it does the same thing. Uh, I want to play that, so what Pokemon are they pairing Garbodor with, which was Drampa. Uh, and I was pretty spot on that Garbodor does the same thing that it's done for like <laughs> yeah. the last five years, uh, which is great. And Drampa's pretty cool. So I've been running that, but uh, we'll get to that deck in a bit. Uh, the first deck we have up that we're going to talk about, which is a deck that I despise playing against. It's the best deck. Is, is it? It's probably the best deck, yeah. Uh, so it's Gardevoir GX, and there are different variants, but we have a we have a deck list that is up. Top 32 here. Uh, Kid has all these deck lists from ptcgdecklist.tumblr.com. Yeah, it's um, a lot of players post deck lists that they do well with in a online community, and then they're all kind of organized here on this Tumblr page. So I think it's a good place to see a bunch of different deck lists and even see a bunch of different ways certain decks can be built all in one place. And so, you know, I guess in talking about this, I'm kind of assuming that you know how to play, um, you, like you've played the game before, you're familiar with some of these cards, but I'll kind of, I guess, go into detail on how the deck operates and why it's good. So you have like Gardevoir here. Gardevoir GX is the core of the deck. It's a stage two Pokemon, but the game is a lot slower than it has been in the past. So it's, you know, feasible to set up a stage two Pokemon, multiple stage two Pokemon even, and have that be your main attacker and and rely on that. Um, whereas in the past, you would see decks that are all just basic EX Pokemon that are really fast, and there weren't any good stage two Pokemon that were uh, fast enough to justify, fast enough and strong enough to justify playing them against these big basic type decks. But now we'll see a variety of those, Gardevoir GX being one of them. If you're familiar with attack like X-Ball from Mewtwo EX in the past, Steve, I know you you are familiar with Mewtwo <laughs> EX. Um, it has attack kind of similar to that, except it's just Mewtwo's attack did 20 damage times the number of energies attached to both Pokemon, um, both yours and your opponent's active Pokemon. Gardevoir GX's attack does 30 damage times those amount of energies, which I'm sure you know is your Drampa has, you know, three energies attached to it after it uses, like, Berserk. It's really feasible for uh, Gardevoir to just wipe that thing away, right. wipe away all your progress, because <laughs> it only takes three energies on that Gardevoir, which is really easy to do, because Gardevoir GX has a really great ability that lets you play one extra fairy energy per turn per Gardevoir GX that you have in play. It's so good. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Part of why the Garbodor you play is also very good um, because it stops that ability, the Garbotoxin ability on Garbodor. Stops Gardevoir's ability. Garbodor and Garb... This Gar is yes. also... This format is terrible because of how many times you get confused saying Garbodor and Gardevoir together. <laughs> it's really just a tongue twister kind of a format, but... Sure. <laughs> I noticed a lot of people also run one Gallade. Yeah, and, like, in my experience playing, I've never really been impressed with Gallade. It always kind of feels like, well, I'm already playing the Ralts and Curlias. I might as well play Gallade. Gallade has a really good ability, um, which lets you kind of rearrange the top five cards of your deck so you know what you'll be drawing next turn. And if you pair that with an ability that lets you draw a couple cards or, you know, something like Octillery or Oranguru, which let you draw up to five cards or up to three cards, like increase your hand size to five or three. You can grab whatever card you put on top with Premonition. I find that if you have the time to get a Gallade into play, meaning that you already have two Gardevoirs in play, you know, I don't need to get a second Gardevoir in play. I can afford to evolve this Curly into Gallade. I feel like you're already winning that game anyways. Um, <laughs> well, it's also good against like Drampa because of the weakness. It is. It's so easy for a card like Gardevoir to already knock out Drampa, though, for really just one more energy and then not risk getting knocked out in return. And it's like, I totally understand that Gallade is not a GX. And, and so like you only take one prize from killing it. 
knocking it out. We don't kill Pokemon. Uh, knocking right. it out. Yes. <laughs> and, and so there's a concept in the in the TCG, which you know about, which is called like um, the forcing a seventh prize, meaning like your opponent is going to knock out three GX Pokemon and take six prizes. But if somewhere in there you force them to take one prize on a really good Pokemon that isn't a GX, they effectively have to take seven prizes, you know, put in the work to knock out a seventh Pokemon. Right. More or less. Um, so that's the reason you would play Gallade, I think, is the, is the main attraction to playing Gallade. But I always find that I would almost always rather just have that Curlia be another Gardevoir GX than another Gallade. Along in the deck, you play three Tapu Lele GX, which is pretty standard. I think that if you're just getting into competitive play, that's the first place you should be investing your money is in Tapu Lele GX. It sucks. They're really expensive. You know, just the regular art of it is worth 50, 60 bucks. I think that every deck needs at least two uh, Tapu Lele GX. And right now, I haven't touched a deck that has played less than three Tapu Lele GX. But I don't see deck lists that are running four. I only see two or three. You do sometimes see them running four um, in the previous format, uh, like the Worlds format and our U.S. Nationals or U.S. Interna- in- US Intercontinentals format. <laughs> you saw decks running four Tapu Lele. The deck that won Intercontinentals ran four Tapu Lele. And as we... Um, one of the cards that rotated when we had our um, season rotation was Versus Seeker, which gave you extra copies of supporters, more or less. It let you take a supporter from your discard pile and add it to your hand. Tapu Lele is similar to that, and its Wonder Take ability lets you search your deck for a supporter when you play it down. So it gives you options in the same way VS Seeker did or Versus Seeker did. Without Versus Seeker in the format anymore, we don't have those type of options, and I do think three or four Tapu Lele is good. Like. It's rare that I would see a deck that, if it had one extra space, wouldn't mind playing another Tapu Lele. Tapu Lele. And Tapu Lele is from Guardians Rising. Guardians Rising, yeah. Um, one of the best sets to be printed in the last, as long as I can remember in Pokemon. There were a lot of very strong Pokemon in Guardians Rising. Two questions, and just because I haven't done the research prior, but I'm sure you know. Uh, are they putting Tapu Lele in a, pit, in a tin? Uh, there is no news or rumors of it being in a tin anytime soon. Okay, because that that's, that's how people got Darkrai and Mewtwo e- EX mm-hmm. when those were very expensive. Yep. The second thing is, how does one get Tapu Lele in the online game or just, I guess, buying packs? Like, is it worth yeah, buying it it's outright? Not, it's or? almost never worth it buying packs if you need a specific card. If you're looking to, like, build a collection, buying packs or a box might be okay. I would say you would spend a lot more than $150 on average buying packs trying to get three Tapu Lele GX. Um just, I would say, you know, looking at Gardevoir deck, this Gardevoir GX deck, um, if you wanted to buy the singles of all the cards, I would guess that you're paying around probably close to $300 to have the whole deck. But know that you would have, you know, potentially the best deck in the format, a, a deck that you could play at any tournament in this standard format and be fine. To me, that seems, and, and for most other card games coming from playing, you know, Magic a little bit or whatever, $300 is not that big of an investment to have one of the best decks in the format. Right. And so I think it's probably worth it. There's almost... It's, it still does suck, though. I mean, I it paid does. $100 for one Tropical Beach and the deck I ran... Oh, you're preaching to the choir on Tropical Beaches. <laughs> you don't even want to know what I paid for them. The deck I ran needed three at one point, and that deck was probably not top 10 of contender decks it's just it needed three to work <laughs> yeah so that's what i ran yeah um uh, the good thing though about buying a deck like this and if you were to just buy all the singles more than half the cards are in every other deck we'll see floatstone we'll see n sycamore 
uh, Choice Bands, Guzma, Rare Candy, Double Colorless, and Tapu Lele. We'll see all of those cards, and and I think actually every deck we'll look at today. Okay. Okay, well, let's not spend too much time on Gardevoir, but like you said, it's... Yeah, more, the way, more or less the way it works is you open up the game with, like, Vulpix or Deancey and try and set up your Gardevoir. If you're able to set up multiple Gardevoirs, you're able to win the game almost all the time, with a few exceptions. If you're not able to get past um, an ability lock of, like, Garbodor, you'll have a hard time winning. And if decks hit you for weakness, you might have a hard time winning the game. But really, it's just kind of one of those decks where if you get set up, you're probably winning. Real quick, what is this deck's biggest weakness? Uh, what other deck is easily stomps this deck out? Yeah, um, it, Metagross. Um, and Metagross is a deck we'll look at that I think it, it's just good because it happens to be Steel. Like I don't think it's good for any other reason, <laughs> but it happens to beat the best deck and really just stomp it. Okay, all right. Our second deck is another Gardevoir deck. Anything notable in this one? Slightly different healing cards than the other one. Sometimes you'll see max potions or fairy drops in Gardevoir lists. That would be something I would look out for if I was playing like a best of three series against Gardevoir. Is like, do I see them playing any healing cards? That really impacts the way you have to play against them if you're not one hit KOing the Gardevoirs. So you'll see a card called Fairy Drop in this list, which heals 50 damage from a Pokemon that has a fairy energy attached to it. It's an item card. I don't know if that's actually good or not. I don't know how use, usable it was just as a one of. I can't think of a scenario off the top of my head where it's like that 50 damage can make a lot of difference because usually Gardevoir is getting hit with attacks that do about 150 damage to it or attacks that do 300 damage to it. Um, and if they're doing 150 twice and you heal 50 of that uh, first 150 away, you're still ending up with about 250 damage on a Gardevoir, which would knock it out. So I don't know how effective that would be. Let's so nothing special in that list. Okay, uh, we have a Xerneas break deck, top eight that took place at the Bre Bremen regionals. Yeah, a lot of these lists are going to be from Bremen regionals because that was the most uh, recent regionals we had in Germany. A lot of good international players though placed at this, and I think at least there was a stigma when you were playing that the international players kind of didn't know what they were doing or like didn't really hold up at all to uh, American players, but since um, Pokemon Online has gotten a lot better, which is a, like a universal space for players of all um, from all countries to play in, and since tournaments have gotten more open to players from different regions, so we have intercontinental championships now, there's a lot greater respect for European and international players, than a lot more than there used to be, at least when me and you are playing. Uh, so this deck's interesting because it's really only running one attacker which is Xerneas and it's only running really four of those I remember back in the day my one of my favorite decks was just four Terrakians yeah quad Terrakian nothing else like, just four Terrakians quad Entei quad something yeah that's what they used to be called <laughs> so this is this is very r reminiscent of that I mean they're playing three Tapu Leles which I'm assuming they're not using to attack they're playing an Oran Guru which is just draw support uh, and then they're running three Xerneas breaks interesting they're not running four but maybe there's a reason for that yeah, it could just be a space thing. I heard um, a recent comment that really kind of opened up my mind in terms of deck building was somebody said something along the lines of evolution cards are useless dead cards unless they are in play. So like if you're late game getting end to a hand of like three and you draw a bunch of Xerneas breaks and you can't do anything with them or like 
in the idea of like Gardevoir, let's take, and I draw a bunch of Curlias, but I already have Gardevoirs in play. They're just dead, useless cards. I would want to run the least amount of them necessary mm. so that they're not taking up, you know, they're not dead weight later. So that'd be my only thought as to why there's three. There is a Rescue Stretcher, which lets you get that back and use it again later. This is a weird deck. It's kind of a gimmicky deck, I would say. Um, it's not in my top, you know, five decks in the format, but it is good if left unchecked. Basically, you use uh, the regular Xerneas. His first attack, Geomancy, for one fairy energy, lets you um, search your deck for two other fairy energies and put them into play. So you keep doing this over and over again. If your opponent can't kill the 130 HP Xerneas, um, while it's just putting lots of energies into play, you evolve into the break and then start swinging for some really big damage. The Xerneas break does 20 damage times the number of all energies in play. Oh, okay. And not energy cards, something important to note, it's energies, so a card like Double Colorless, which is also in the deck, would count as 2 or 40 damage for that Xerneas break. Um, you can pretty easily hit numbers like 200 damage or 180 damage with a choice band that can quickly turn into enough to knock out a Gardevoir GX in one, hand, uh, one hit. Slow decks like Gardevoir GX, I think, might struggle with this only in that they'll have lots of time to put a lot of energies into play, and then they're trading non-EX attackers for your GX or EX attackers. So one prize for two prize. That's the real appeal of this. I think it folds to uh, some of the faster decks that might be able to keep the Xerneas from setting up. Um, something like a fire deck that could start taking knockouts as soon as the first or second turn would be really good against this. Um, and that's partly why I don't think it's that great of a deck is just because it's going to sit there and ask a question. Can you knock me out? Can you knock out where my energies are? And if you can't, I'll just get up to enough damage and win the game. Sure. There's a card in this deck that I've seen in other decks that I just despise, and that's Max Elixir. Oh, a very high variance card, unless you're running 12 energies like this deck does. I'd almost all, like, like there are cards in the, in decks that make or break a deck, like Catcher, like a coin flip can yeah. decide the game. And I'd almost always rather take that risk than, like, look at the top, what is it, eight? So you'd rather it be decided on a coin flip rather than, like, how you build your deck or how good of a player, well, this not this case, how good of a player you are, but... Yeah, uh, but, like, if you have four catchers, you have some, you have at least have, I don't know, if your deck strategy, this is just personal opinion at this point, if your deck strategy <laughs> is, like, reliant on a card like letting you look at the top is it eight or seven uh six six and then attaching an energy there i don't know i just like don't like that play style i'd rather run something that's like low energy and i don't have to worry about yeah. like keeping up on making sure i hit those i don't uh, yeah i no, i actually agree with that sentiment and that's actually a really good point a lot of players you'll see good players won't kind of mess around with decks that are determined by whether or not they hit their max elixir Unless they're running, you know, enough other cards to increase the chances of that happening. Um, so you'll see, like, a Volcanion deck that plays 16 energies run max elixirs. And that's not that high of a risk. A deck like this, it's not that high of a risk. But when you, like, say 16 energies, I, like, cringe because yeah, I think exactly. that's way too I, many I, I, energies. I would, but you'll see players rely on decks that they'll win with based on how good of a player they are and not good, not, like, how they draw. You'll, you will see that. And, and I think this is, again, one of those decks where if you hit your max elixirs and your opponent draws kind of bad and slow you're going to be in a good spot not necessarily dependent on how good of a player you are though 
And that's not to say anything bad about the player who did well with that deck. I'm sure they're a very good player. All right, I've played a variant of this, but uh, this is... I played Galaspod GX, but this is a Galaspod GX Garboder deck. Uh, top 32 Bremen, which we said that we're probably going to get a lot of Bremen decks here. What do you think about Galaspod? Uh, it's actually my favorite deck right now. I think it... This one in particular or just Galaspod? Um, not this particular list, although I do like... So you'll see Galispod and Garbodor together a lot. Sometimes you'll see it with Rainbow Energies, and then they play both the Garbotox and Garbodor, which shuts off abilities, and the Trash Lanch Garbodor, which is the one, Steve, I know you really like to play because yes. you play that with uh, Drampa. This one opts out of the Trash Lanch for the reasons of the, the matchups where this deck is good. And kind of Galispod naturally wins are the ones I think where Garbodor is also the best. Uh, Trash Lanch Garbodor. Um, so, it, again, it's kind of one of those cards where if you're already setting up well and you're streaming Galissapods, the added benefit of having a Trash Lanch Garbodor is you're probably already winning that game anyways, is the point I'm trying to make. And so I think the Garbotoxin Garbodor plays to your weaknesses more in that, like, you know, decks like Gardevoir that only can kill you, um, if, you if they have a ton of energies on it because they've been taking uh, advantage of Secret Spring, their ability. Because Galissapod, like you like, only attacks for one energy. Yes. Um, so a 210 HP Pokemon with one energy on it. Gardevoir needs six energies or five in a choice band in order to one-hit KO you. Garbodor, Garbotoxin Garbodor kind of prevents them from doing that. Makes sense in the deck. That's the versions I like are the ones that aren't as focused on the Trash Lanch Garbodor. I find him to be kind of useless and just take up extra space being a dead evolution card most of the time. So I do like this list in that it only plays a 2-2 Garbodor line. I think this deck is really good because it can kind of beat anything except for fire. Fire is just a tough matchup. And a lot of the decks here, their only weakness is the thing that they have weakness to, which I don't know if that is such a good thing in a format where it's like, oh, I hope my opponent doesn't play red cards because then I lose. <laughs> um, that feels a little bad. But you'll see in this deck. But there, know, are, the, there are situations where you beat what you're weak against. There are. Yeah. Um, it's It's rare in this format, at least. Especially when, you know, there's attacks that are easily accessible that when their damage is doubled will knock out a 210 HP Pokemon very easily. Um, there's Vulcan Ways Volcanion can very easily access around 110 damage um, and or 100 damage or so and then multiply by two and you're knocking out a Galissapod. Standard in this deck is going to be, you know, four Sycamores, four Ends, but four Guzma as well. I don't know if the decks you're playing right now have, they're probably on like two or three copies of Guzma. Mostly three. Three. It's becoming more and more popular to see four Guzma in every single deck. It's a switching card and a like Lysander catcher type card all in one. I kind of don't ever know how we played without just four Guzma in every deck. I don't know how many games I can tell you in tournament play have come down to whether or not I or my opponent has Guzma in their hand after getting end down to two cards. Mm -hmm. And if they do, they win. And if they don't, they lose. A very large percentage of games have co has come down to that. Let's talk about supporters real quick because I think that's a big like, area in yeah, your deck. Yeah, yeah. The supporters. It's a big chunk of cards. I can't ever remember even before so sycamore used to be um juniper, juniper and yeah. juniper used to be professor oak yep it's like the same card that has existed mm -hmm. for 20 years i can't ever imagine a deck where i don't ever run for sycamore right right uh i think that goes the same for n ever since n got introduced in black and white i can't remember not running for n right 
And four Guzma seem to be. I'm saying Guzma you know, now. What, I'm, I'm used to saying Guzma. Guzma, yeah, something well, like that. I don't know. How, what does how, the show say? What does the I, what does the I, anime I say? Think, I don't think the anime has introduced him yet. Um, but do you agree that like four Sycamore, four N are needed in every single deck? Is there a situation where you're like, ah, I'm only going to run two N? Not really. No. <laughs> um, and it's totally weird that you're talking about this because I've been playing some old formats from 2010 recently, just like as a fun thing on the side. There's no Sycamore, there's no N, there's not even anything like that. Um, you draw cards with your Pokemon, and then supporters search out specific cards, like you play Cyrus's Com- Conspiracy from Gen 4, which searches your deck for a Team uh, Galactic card, and then an Energy, and like that's the best supporter. That just feels so weird, where the supporters <laughs> like seem like they do nothing, but ultimately it's the kind of card where, you know, when you play Sycamore, you're hoping to draw, you know, three thing, three specific things. And then, you know, a long time ago, supporters would be more like search your deck for three specific things. You just don't get those extra cards that you would have drawn mm-hmm. with it. It just feels a lot different. But I, yeah, I don't think that Pokemon is ever going to be heading towards a format where there isn't four Sycamore and four N or something really similar to it. I know they haven't reprinted Sycamore anytime soon and they reprinted N in the break block, but I don't think that we're anywhere close to the game being like the Pokemon being good enough or self-sustaining enough to be in a format without four Sycamore and four N. I think we're just stuck with that for a while. Going back to Galaspod, is this your is this at least one of your favorite Galaspod decks, the one with Garbodor, or yeah. do you like the one that I think there's one with just all Tapu Koko? Yeah, I like the version with Garbodor. Uh, there's too many good decks that rely on abilities right now. I would love to be able to play a version that has something like Octillery for added consistency. But you just can't beat those decks that rely on abilities like uh, Tabu Bulu, Vicavolt, or Metagross, or Gardevoir without Garbodor. Glisspot is likely what I'm going to be playing at regionals in Hartford this weekend, um, just because I think it's you know very even, solid deck all around. Okay. I hate this deck, the one we're <laughs> about to talk about, mostly because I... I just don't like Volcanion, but this is a Volcanion EX deck. Uh, Luke Williams, top 32, Bremen... Tell me about this. It also has Turtonator in it. It has Tapu Lele. It has Star You and Star Me, and then yeah. it runs one ho. It's kind of like a pile of basic fire Pokemon that are all kind of big, and like I don't know which one I'll end up using in any given matchup, but it's going to be one of these big fire dudes. <laughs> That's what it feels like to me today, too. It feels like a pile of like big fire Pokemon. The deck is really good. Um, I can never seem to win with it. Like I've tested it a ton i've been testing a version with gumshoes gx to help me beat gardevoir just weird off the wall stuff and i just can't make it work because all these fire pokemon they have very big retreat costs they have big energy requirement costs and everything just feels clunky um that's a you know word that you'll probably remember describing decks a lot is clunky things that just don't feel consistent when you win games that feel like you had no business winning those games it also runs max elixir and a ton of energy (laughs) Max Elixir, a ton of energy. These Pokemon have huge energy requirements. Mainly how it operates is using a card like Tapu Lele GX to seek out uh, the supporter card, Kiawe. And then Kiawe lets you search your deck for four fire energy and attach them to one of your Pokemon. Then your turn ends. That's your attack. You don't get to attack or anything afterwards. Um, Oh, when you play Kiawe, that is... That's your turn. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. And you can play energies and stuff before that. You can play cards before that. But... Once you play him, your turn is over. It's a really good card, but sometimes by not attacking, your opponent can punish you for for spending a whole turn doing that. So, like, let's say 
is really amazing on your first turn because if you're going first, you couldn't attack anyways. You mm -hmm. just get a bunch of energy in play. Then your opponent probably sits and plays Bridget. Then you just start swinging with Ho-Oh EX and run them over. That's when the deck is at its best. But if you're doing that in the mid game where you miss your turn one Kiawe and you're just kind of manually powering up a Volcanion EX and relying on max elixirs to get energies in play, that's when it feels super clunky. Or maybe if your Kiawe's prized and yeah. you were going to go first. Yeah. This deck's only playing one. A lot of the lists I like opt for more copies of it. And maybe they run something like Salazzle GX to help as a late game lower energy cost attacker. But yeah, it just feels clunky. If you miss your turn one Kiawe, it's not good. A lot of lists you'll see playing more baby Volcanions and more fighting fury belts. Those are a little frustrating to play against because then you end up with these one energy attackers that have 170 HP. Vol baby Volcanion has 130 HP with fighting fury belt that gives him 40 more HP. And then he's attacking for 20 damage. And then when you take into account the fighting fury belt damage and the steam ups uh, from your Volcanion EXs making him do a little bit more damage. You know, he's swinging for two hits on a lot of big Pokemon. And then you have to do 170 damage back and only take one prize. That's good, too. Um, so a deck like this that can operate in both with the Kiawe strategy and as a Volcanion Plan B strategy seems really good to me. Not a deck I like because no matter what I do, it doesn't seem like I can nail Plan A or Plan B. <laughs> it just always ends up with Tapu Lele active and a star you on my bench and yeah. me scratching my head. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's important to note, though, because there are... Like everyone has certain play styles and everyone likes playing certain cards. Like like I just said, I don't like playing any card any decks that have Max Elixir. You can tell me that Max Elixir is in four out of five decks and those four out of five decks are good because of Max Elixir. But if that's not my play style, if that's not how I think, yeah, then I just can't do it. Yeah. Um and it's a deck like this punishes you if you're all in on one game plan and then you miss your max elixir, you're gonna be in a big hole and you're gonna be Playing a, needing to play a deck uh, very optimally to dig yourself out of a hole. That doesn't really fit with my play style either. But it is a really good deck. You're going to have to watch out for it. And it hits a lot of the format for weakness. Metagross and Galissapod GX are both weak to fire. And they're going to be, you know, pretty dominated by this. They're looking at another Volcanion list. Staryu's good. Starmie's good. Um, you want to discard... talk about Starmie real quick? Yeah, yeah. You discard one energy from your hand, and then you, or, sorry, you discard a card from your hand, and then you can take two energies from your discard pile and put them back into your hand. Those are really good for fueling Volcanion EX's steam up, which when you lets you discard a fire energy from your hand, and then your basic fire Pokemon do 30 more damage. Their attacks do 30 more damage for that turn. And so it's a good way of getting energies back into your hand. You're also playing a card called Brooklet Hill, which is a stadium card. It lets you search your deck for a water Pokemon and then put it onto your bench. Volcanion's also a water Pokemon. He's fire and water. Um, so <laughs> Brooklet Hill you really know, good. synergizes with filling up Volcanix on your bench and getting those star use on the bench so you can get them into Starmie and then start abusing that ability. I think secretly I hate fire Pokemon. I don't think there's ever been a fire deck that I've enjoyed. <laughs> I saw some promotional material from Pokemon, like TCG somewhere in like a starter deck or something, and it had all the types written down on it and talked about, you know, electric Pokemon generally, these are going to be, you know, charging up your energies to attack and water Pokemon are going to heal and do other things and psychic Pokemon are going to do special conditions or something like that. And then for fire is just like, Said something like a lot of energies and big damage. And I was just, yeah, that I don't want to do that. I don't want to waste turns putting all this damage on there. Or like weasel in for little hits for right. low energy costs. And yeah, totally. This is pretty much my deck, give or take some yeah. cards in here. This is uh, Garbodor Drampa GX, 
Top 32 by Ryan Morehouse, Bremen, of course, running a 4-4 garb order line. Looks kind of like, like a 4-2-2 garb order line, yeah, because it's two of each garb orders. Yeah. Right. Uh, where I run three and one mm-hmm. at this point, they're running two Drampa, four Tapu Lele, an Espion EX, not, yeah. a, not a GX, and then a Tapu, one Tapu Coco, and then they're running Potown. Potown's pretty cool. Which is, uh, which I don't like. I don't think it works for me. I, I run Altar of the Moon, which gives uh, any Pokemon with Psychic or Dark yeah. energy on them a lower retreat cost, which sure. pretty much everything is free retreat. Definitely helps with consistency, yeah. Why don't you talk about this? Yeah, Potown is kind of a necessary evil. Drampa just doesn't do enough damage on his own because for whatever reason, the format it revolves around 210 HP plus Pokemon right now, or even 190 HP being on the low side. Turtonator GX and Ho-Oh GX have 190 HP, and Drampa maxes out at 180 with a choice band. Yeah. And he's kind of your early mid-game attacker. And he's not taking knockouts in this format like he used to. In the world's format or the you know U.S. nationals or U.S. intercontinentals format, still used to saying nationals. <laughs> uh, in that in that format, a lot of Pokemon only had 180 HP. It was easy for Drampa to take some easy knockouts early in the game. Um, not so much anymore. Potown helps no you get around that. No plus powers land around. No in plus this powers. Format. Not legal and standard. In expanded, there's actually plus powers. Nobody ever plays them, but they're bad. But Potown helps you get around that. When you evolve your Ralts into Curlia, all of a sudden you take 30 damage. Then you evolve it into uh, Gardevoir, and you take another 30 damage. Your 230 HP Gardevoir is looking more like uh, 170 HP. Drampa can knock it out now. And really, without Potown, I think that you just don't compete well with the Gardevoir decks. Might be why you hate playing against Gardevoir <laughs> so much. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Four Tapu Leles is cool because you're always going to be able to get the supporter you need. And then you see the Espeon EX. Part of why, like like I was saying, these decks don't just match up well against these big 250 HP Metagrosses or you know 230 HP Gardevoirs. You can do little shenanigans, though, that helps you get, get through that matchup. Stuff like Tapu Coco, Po Town, and then Espeon EX. Uh, Tapu Koko puts 20 damage on all of your opponent's Pokemon for one double colorless energy or like two colorless energy. So, you know, you're looking at 20 on everything. Potown maybe is more like 50 on everything when they evolve. Then you Tapu Koko again. They're all at like 70 HP. Then you bring an Espeon EX and use its first attack, Miraculous Shine. That devolves all of your opponent's Pokemon by one stage. Your Gardevoirs become Curlia's or maybe Ralts's if you used Rare Candy. Your Metagross's go down to Beldum's and so on. But they keep the damage on it. So it's potential that, or there's potential for you to knock out three Metagross's in one turn. You only take three prizes because technically you're knocking them out as Beldum's, but you erase all the work they did in the early game then they have to play more stuff like rare candies and more, you know, ultra balls, which feels your Garbodor trash lanch and lets you close out the game. Got it. And trash lanch is a pretty cool move. Do you want to explain what that does? Because yeah. that's kind of like the late game bread and mm-hmm. butter trash, of the deck. Trash lanch is definitely your closer, ninth inning, like let's finish the game kind of thing. Uh, one psychic energy, which is a really low cost, which is great for when you get end down to almost no hand. All you need is one psychic energy. Does 20 damage times the number of item cards in your opponent's discard. You're really familiar with it and how powerful it can be. It's not unrealistic for you to hit numbers like 200 damage, 240 damage with choice band on top of there. You're, you know, unnecessarily too much damage. Um, (laughs) For one energy. For one energy. Uh, And there's really never been an attack that I can remember that can so easily for one energy do so much damage. 
right now I don't think it's as strong as it used to be is why you see a 2-2 split on here versus a 3-1 split like you have. Mm -hmm. Also, I think it speaks to how strong Garbotoxin Garbodor is right now and how ability-centric the format is. Just it's really necessary to have that ability lock in a lot of matchups. It's you still, even with all your Potown shenanigans, cannot beat Guard Gardevoir GX or Metagross GX without that Garbotoxin Garbodor. But also, you know, we don't have Versus Seeker in the format anymore, uh, which was four spots in every deck, four items in every deck. Part of why I think Garbodor used to be so good was because just there were more items in everybody's deck, and it's fallen off a little bit. I don't think Garbodor Drampa is quite as strong of a deck as it used to be, unless you're running you know, some of that Potown stuff we were talking about, some of the devolution strategies. We have another uh, Drampa Garb Garbodor deck up. Uh, top four at Bremen. Yeah, and it actually got second place at this regionals too. The current U.S. Intercontinental Champion took it to second place at this Bremen regionals. Like, I like that list a little bit better, but they all have kind of the same sentiment. It's like, the plan A is Garbodor and Drampa. It can fall back onto this devolution strategy with Espeon EX, with Tapu Kokos, and Po Town. I think that's kind of the only way it can hang with the big contenders of this format. But it's a good deck. It's definitely up there in, you know, my top five decks right now. Bridget. Oh, yeah. This format is defined by the turn one Bridget. I would say 80% of people's first turns are Ultra Ball, Tapu Lele, Wonder Tag, Bridget, and then their three basic Pokemon onto the bench. Um, part of why I think the setup decks, these slow Gardevoir GX, Metagross GX decks are so good is because that they have an out to turn one. All they need is an Ultra Ball, and they can turn that into three of the, you know, their babies that they need on the bench to get set up on their first turn. They can turn it into three Raltzes or three Beldums or, you know, two Raltzes and a Remoraid, stuff that they need to get set up really easily on turn one. So you use Wonder Tag to seek out that one copy of Bridget. One copy wouldn't normally be enough if you wanted on turn one, but now since Ultra Ball is the same thing as it, since Tapu Lele is the same thing as it, you effectively have more like eight copies of the card in your deck. Oh, this is another deck I'm not too fond of. You wouldn't like it either, Max Elixir deck. Called Rainbow Road. Rainbow Road. Uh, top 16 at Bremen. Um, I heard about this. Is this kind of like Night March? It's similar to Night March in that it's a non-EX attackers that swing for big, big amounts of damage. And I think there is a place for a deck like this in the format that is going to be attacking with a Pokemon that has, you know, is non-EX, so you only take one prize from it and can swing for 200 plus damage. There's definitely a place for it, but this deck is, I don't think, fits that quite good enough. The strategy of the deck is you use a Xerneas, different Xerneas from the one we were talking about before. It does 30 damage times the number of different types you have on your bench. So you use a lot of these Pokemon from the Steam Siege set that are two types. You play Bisharp, who is Steel and Dark type, and you kind of attack with him, but he's mostly just there to be on the bench, which I'm not too fond of. Takes up a bunch of extra space. You have this Galvantula, which you attack with kind of in a couple matchups, but he's, you know, Lightning and Grass type. He has Split typing. And then you play Volcanion, which is two types also, Water and Fire. That adds up. You know, if you had those three Pokemon in play, you're at, what, 30, 60, 90... 120, 180 for those Pokemon, and then there's going to be a Tapu Lele on your bench and another Xerneas on your bench. You're at 240 damage if you're completely set up. Okay. And your opponent's only taking one prize in return. They could, you know, Guzma up your Volcanion and knock it out and take two, but then they're not knocking out your Xerneas, which can just go ahead and swing for that much again. I've lost to this deck before. I don't think it's good, but I've lost to it. It doesn't seem very consistent. I'm just looking at the card layout, and like you can tell consistency of a deck. It's like we're running four of every single copy of all our cards, yeah. and this seems like, oh, we're running just 
one Galvantula yeah. and one well, Bisharp. And you know, there's let's say you have your Galvantula in play and you opt to not play the Pawnaird. How, how, how the oh god, I'm having a Steve moment. How do you say that Pokemon's name? Basic Bisharp, Ponyard. I think Ponyard, pa- yeah. Ponyard, Ponyo. Um, <laughs> Anyways, so like, let's say you draw him, your bench is full, you don't need it. It's just, there's lots of dead weight. Um, it's a really thin line. It's like a 1-1 Bisharp line and a 2-1 Galvantula line. But it just feels like you have these useless cards. Volcanion, three energy or three retreat cost guy who's going to sit on your bench and do nothing. Can't attack. Uh, it just feels so bad to have so much dead weight. But you also are relying on Max Elixir, which doesn't seem good. Your Pokemon doesn't have a ton of HP. It's relatively easy to do 120 damage in this format, too. Glissopod easily swings for 120 damage. Trampas easily swings for 150. Mm-hmm. Even though they're knocking you out, you might be able to knock them out, knocking you out and taking two prizes. You might be able to knock them out fast enough that they can't keep up. I don't know if this deck is good. I would probably place it in, like, know what it does, but don't play it. If you're going to invest in a deck, this probably isn't the one you want. Especially because you said Steam Siege, and a lot of these cards are from Steam Siege. And if anything, Steam Siege and those other two are rotating out. Not anytime soon, but those would be the ones. Yeah, the break stuff is probably not going to be around next year. I think we can safely see anything that has break in the name isn't going to be around in 20... uh, 2019 format like basically of... yeah yeah august of 2018 yeah steam siege i don't know there's a lot of sets that kind of fall into that between sun and moon and break there's generations which is that weird mini set we got evolutions there's fates collide and steam siege and i don't know if steam siege and fates collide are technically part of the break block or not they might just be kind of um like in between sets, I don't know. Mm. They also like will reprint cards from certain sets to be like, well, we want this card to con-. like they did that with what yeah. was a catcher. Yeah, yeah. They're like, hey, reprint. We're reprinting catcher to make sure it stays in the format. Catcher's bad, but <laughs> yeah, it used to be. Really I mean, good. so on the other hand, like the cards from Steam Siege that are in this deck are like ten dollars for all of them or something. You know, if you have your ends, your Max Elixirs, your Sycamores, your Guzmas, you know, your double colorlesses and your Tapu Leles. It's going to cost you 20 bucks to get the rest of the cards for this deck. Okay, so that's that's a plus. But that's pretty much every deck in the format that isn't Gardevoir or Galissapod. It's a cheap deck. If you have all the cards um, besides the Xerneases and the Joltics or whatever, yeah, it seems good. Like, get it as a backup. Um, if you get to the tournament and you're playing Galissapod and you get there and you see everybody's playing Fire, I might audible back to Rainbow Road. I don't know. It doesn't seem horrible. Uh, this next deck's deck is Vikavolt Tapu Bulu GX Top Eight at Bremen. Yeah, this uh, is good. Um, I don't know if this specific list is really good. I mean, obviously, it was good enough to top eight. It takes a little bit different of approach than the standard one. Mainly, you try and get your Grubbins into top up. Uh, your Grubbins into Vikavolt really quickly. Sure. Vikavolt has a really awesome ability. Another one of these great stage two abilities that we see in the format that can really just let you spiral out of control against a deck like not Vikavolt GX though. Not Vikavolt GX. It's a uh, yeah, the one from Sun and Moon. It was also a promo in like a blister pack. That might be a good blister pack if you're looking at target to get is the one that has Vikavolt in it. Uh, Strong charges its ability. I don't remember an ability like this in the time that we've played where you search your deck for two energies and attach them to like your Pokemon however you like. It has to be one grass and one lightning energy. That allows you to really quickly power, power up attackers like Tapu Lele who you know has a good attack on it too in addition to a good ability it has that x-ball attack more or less where it's 20 damage times the number of energies attached to tapu lele and your opponent's active pokemon you can quickly power that up and maybe start swinging for 
two hits or maybe even a one-hit knockout on certain Pokemon. Your main attacker is going to be Tapu Bulu GX, who for two grass and a, and a colorless energy or what will likely be a lightning energy most of the time in this deck, does 180 damage. Uh, and you can just redo that every turn as long as you can strong charge and attach an energy from your hand. It's really easy to cycle that 180 damage. Huge benefit of this also, which might not seem like a benefit on paper, when you do that 180 attack, you discard all the energies attached to it. That seems like a huge detriment, but Gardevoir does, you know, 90 less damage to you when you discard all those energies. Right. I think part of the reason this deck did good is that it doesn't have a great matchup against Gardevoir, but it certainly, you know, can be as powerful uh, as Gardevoir in certain scenarios, along with kind of having some natural resistances to Gardevoir built into it. Um, the downfall of this is it just... When you set up Garbodor, Garbotoxin Garbodor with a tool on it, if you don't have a way to remove that tool and turn your strong charges back on, you're gonna lose. Like you, ha you just your attacks are too much energy cost. You're too slow. You've already given up some prizes early game because you're a slow deck, and you just can't get back into it unless you can get rid of that tool. We see three field blowers in this deck. I wouldn't run it with anything less than three field blowers. You need to be able to remove that tool. Garbodor is too much a part of the format. Otherwise, you will lose. Uh, Metagross, Necroz Metagross GX, Necrozma GX, top 16 at Bremen. I looked at Metagross and I was like, there's not a single deck I want to play Metagross with. I just do not care for like what it does. Yeah. But I know I've lost to it, so I know how <laughs> oh, good yeah. it is. It resists your psychic Pokemon too in uh, Garbodor Drampa, which is, you know, kind of stinks. Um, one of the natural, like, one of the natural, uh, like resistances metagross has built into it part of why it's good doesn't play a lot of items either which helps against that uh, trash lanch garbador it's slow it doesn't do a ton of damage once it gets set up metagross is limited to 180 much like drampa it does 150 and then the choice band puts you at 180 um this variant is a little bit heavier on necrozma gx and plays more psychic energies um so i guess Metagross, his ability, the reason he's good, he has this ability Geotech system. It lets you, much like um, Dynamotor on E-Electric from past formats, yeah. attach an energy from your discard pile to a Pokemon. It either has to be a Psychic or Steel energy. It's only to the active Pokemon. E-Electric was only to Bench. Uh, Metagross is only to the active Pokemon. Um, so you can quickly power up your big Metagrosses that need three energies to attack. You attack with your Metagross... It takes some damage, but probably doesn't get knocked out because it has 250 HP. So much HP. So much HP. Uh, 270, kind of, if it's a psychic Pokemon you're attacking it with, like Garbodor or Espeon GX. And then after you do that, you know, you're 120 damage to it and then pass. It retreats and then plays Max Potion, heals all that damage off. It put up a different Metagross. It uses Geotech system a couple of times and attaches an energy. And then it's attacking again with fresh Metagrosses. That's why it's so good, but it's slow, clunky. Like I said earlier, I think this feels like a bad deck that just happens to have some really good matchups in the current format. It beats Gardevoir as Gardevoir has a weakness to steal. Like, beats Ninetales GX that happens to have a weakness to steal. The, the, like, Ninetales is another good deck. Oh, which we are kind of landing on right now. Yeah, uh, I built a uh, no-energy Decidueye GX deck. Sweet. A one with We've it. all been there uh, <laughs> on a dark late night where you're trying to brainstorm a great deck and it, you build a Decidueye deck, deck uh, with no energies. Decidueye doesn't do as much damage as my no-energy Chandelure deck did because they did three. <laughs> 30, but one two. per... Well, I guess you could retreat that Chandelure. That That's deck true. was so sweet. That format might have been... The only thing similar to this one we have right now was that Cities format. There were so many good decks in that. 
That's uh, what this is kind of like. But Nine Tails is very popular. I see it mixed in with Gardevoir a lot. Really? Yeah. Volpix you see with Gardevoir. Volpix. I always see like at least a 1-1 one, one of oh, like, interesting. Here, here's a Nine Tails, not GX, the one where it has oh, the ability. A luminous barrier, yeah. luminous barrier or something. But talk about this deck in specific, maybe even separated out of like, here's Decidueye, here's why Decidueye is good, here's why yeah, Ninetales yeah. is good. So this is a deck um, that combines Decidueye GX and Ninetales GX. They kind of have some natural synergies, but you know, you're committing a ton of cards to these big evolution lines, so you don't have room for a ton of energy otherwise. Um, but Decidueye is awesome. He has 240 HP. He has a really good ability that lets you once per turn, per Decidueye, do... 20 damage to a Pokemon, so if you have three Decidueyes, you can do 60 however you like um, on your opponent's Pokemon. It helps you kind of knock out things on the bench that may have retreated to hide while they, you know, maybe got healed or something. And then it helps you set up knockouts for your Tapu Lele to knock out with the double colorless attached to it, or maybe Ninetales to knock out. Ninetales, in this case, you're not even running any water energies, but it has a couple good attacks that are just a double colorless attack. Um, and you'll see Pokemon that, you know, have just the one double, generic one double colorless attack. You'll see them in tons of different decks, even when you're not running any other energies for their other attacks. Um, but Ninetales does for one double colorless, 50 to one of your opponent's Pokemon, or its GX attack, really good, lets you move all damage counters from your Ninetales GX uh, to your opponent's active Pokemon. So you completely heal it, and you put all that damage on your opponent. Um, that's really strong. So your opponent's often left in a position where they either have to knock out this nine tails or like just not attack because you're fueling its GX attack. They combine together, you know, you do 20 on something and then you do your 50 from nine tails. You knock out like a Ralts or a Beldum. That's good. Um, you combine that with there's an Espeon EX and a Tapu Coco in here, much like that Town strategy we talked about. You spread a bunch of damage around. You come in with Espeon EX and devolve all the Gardevoirs, devolve all the Metagrosses, and they all get knocked out because their little guys don't have enough HP to survive. This list is kind of weird. I don't know how good it is. Uh, I've tested it a little bit. I don't think it beats Fire decks, even though you have Ninetales, who's you know, effectively water type in the TCG because um, you're hitting most of those fire types for weakness, but you kind of max out at what, what would be 80 times two. So 160 damage or Ho-Oh GX doesn't even have weakness to water. It has weakness to electric. That doesn't do you any favors. And then it really easily knocks out your Decidueyes and takes two prizes and gets rid of all your hard work of setting up that Decidueye. So I don't think the deck is super viable in the format, but it's a really cool one. And if you have your Tapu Lele GXs, your Sycamores, your Ends, you can build this deck. I don't see any reason why not. Well, let's let's stop at this deck just because we're, we're approaching an hour, but this is probably one of the other popular decks I've seen. It's a variant of uh, Gardevoir. It runs Sylveon, Sylveon we've, yeah. we've, which we've mentioned. Sylveon's really good. Uh, so cool. Do you want to talk about what Sylveon can do? Yeah, so that Eevee where you put one energy on it, then it evolves into that type of energy, super easy. Then you use that Sylveon to uh, set up. It has an attack for one fairy energy. Search your deck for any three cards. You're getting asked, like you're just asking your opponent to end you after you do that. You're right. like... 100% chance to get end like, after you Magical Ribbon. Your opponent's priorities change to, I need an end as soon as but possible. that in itself is good. You, like, throw your opponent off their game plan. They wanted to play Sycamore or Guzma that turn, and now they have no choice but to play N. So I think that's kind of one of the external reasons Sylveon is really good. Because, you know, you could say, or, like, in the same way, you're always going to get end after you do Big Wheel GX with your Drampa. Sylveon, you're always going to get end after you do Magical Ribbon. 
but like your opponent's got to work a little bit harder to set up. You're slowing them down, you know, probably almost as much as you were speeding yourself up. So I think it's really good no matter what, even if you do get end a lot. Uh, and if you're allowed to set up and you're allowed to keep what you get off Magical Ribbon, you're going to be getting multiple Gardevoirs in play. You're going to have doubles. You're going to have Max Potion, Choice Band. You're going to have all that ready, whatever you need, right away after that Magical Ribbon and put yourself at such an advantage. Also, Sylveon sits at that sweet spot of 200 HP, so it's like right outside of range of Garb. Yeah. yeah, Dramfa, yeah. And Eevee always gets around Potown, too, because um, you're not evolving from the hand when you do Energy Evolution. You're evolving from the deck. Right. Um. So you don't take Potown damage, so he's never in danger of losing to Trampa. That's the big decks, I think, for the most part. There wasn't really anything... Just a, a regular Lola Ninetales deck with no Decidueye, I think, is good. I've played that at a couple tournaments and seen some success with it. That version's much better against Fire than that Decidueye version. That's cool. But, you know, my top five decks probably gotta be Galissapod, Garbodor Variants, um, Trampa Garbodor Variants, Ugh, Metagross, I guess. I don't like that deck, but like it's and good Gardevoir in Gardevoir and, and probably Volcanion um, and you end up with like kind of this circle of one beats the other but that deck beats Metagross and then Metagross beats Gardevoir Gardevoir beats Fire but Fire beats Metagross sure yeah, like and it's a really good guessing game of trying to stay one up on everybody of which one you're going to pick so if people are looking to invest buy cards build competitive decks which is kind of the cheapest maybe and or easiest to get into at this point out of the decks you've just named I mean, obviously, if you if you don't have the, if you're missing the Tapu Leles, it's going to be difficult. If you're yeah. missing like Garboders, that's going to be difficult. But like, I wouldn't this... invest any money into cards before I had Tapu Leles. It's it kind of stinks that that's the way it is, and that you're going to have to drop a hundred fifty dollars flat on in cards before you even start in real life. Yeah, because um, I just don't think anything is viable without at least two copies of Tapu Lele. There's not enough consistency cards in the format to not have your Ultra Balls also be equal to supporters. You can't get away with playing stuff like Shauna as a draw supporter that, you know, shuffle your hand to your deck and draw four, uh, five cards. Or like um, Wick, which is your opponent and you both shuffle your hand in your deck and then draw as many cards as you had before. Those type of cards aren't good enough for consistency to, like get you by without any Tapu Leles. You really need those Tapu Leles so that all of your Ultra Balls can get Tapu Lele and can get a supporter. It makes the decks way more consistent. What if you're playing the trading card game online? Yeah. How are you getting Tapu Leles? How are you getting them? And doing the grind, yeah. Um, there are a lot of people online who are playing without Tapu Leles, and they're I'm beating them, and you're beating them most of the time because your deck is more consistent. But it is possible to, to kind of get luckier um, I would probably build your deck along the lines of either really consistent without the Tapu Lele and kind of hoping you're consistent enough as is, um, or building your deck to have kind of a wacky strategy that needs to draw really good whether you have Tapu Leles or not. <laughs> so that way, you know, once you're set up, you're doing good. A Gardevoir deck with Sylveon could potentially operate without Tapu Lele because Magical Ribbon is so good. It can get you the supporter with your search. That could be good, but like... Am I just buying the Guardians Rising and hoping for it? Yeah, I would spend all your coins you earn from doing your, your like daily quests or whatever on Guardians Rising packs to get Tapu Leles, because once you have them, you're going to start winning so much more. Um, the and, cheapest... And you only need technically two or three, two, and you yeah. can put those in every single online deck. Absolutely. Just... Yeah, it stinks that you can't trade the cards you get from your coins, because I would almost just, you know 
buy, save up my coins, buy 22 packs or 25 packs or whatever Octopulele is worth, and then trade those. But you have to have real codes. It's a pretty low investment to get all those cards with real life money online. Um, in that you can buy what he just bought 50 code cards online. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Yeah. And you could Which is trade. Cheaper than the last time I did it, it was 27 last time. So it, mu- it must be yeah, <laughs> fluctuating yeah. in the market. Um, and you could trade those 50 code cards for two Tapu Leles, really. Um, I mean, that's they're about worth 25 codes. That feels bad, but then that's that's like. But when you're saying $20 for two digital Tapu Leles yeah. versus $100 for two real ones. Real ones. Yeah. Yeah. It feels better. If it does feel bit. way better. And like, think about it. You're going to spend, let's say you went off to the store and bought. A couple starter decks. Like, I'm going to get into Pokemon. I'm going to spend, you know, $27 with tax on a couple of starter decks. I think it might be more than that even. But for like two starter yeah, decks yeah. for a friend. Or you. I could get into the online game for free at first. Well, they give you a starter deck. They give you a starter deck, yeah. And then spend, you know, $20 of real money online, get a bunch of code cards, trade those into the rest of the cards you need, and you're you're sitting at really close to a tier one good deck after that point. Only one, but then you start opening packs and winning games with that, and then you're you're at your second deck. You have Rainbow Road built, and then you get your Galissapods, and then all of a sudden I can play Galissapod decks too. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot easier. It's very similar to grinding a game like Hearthstone or something like that sure. too, where you'd be surprised how fast you'd be to a point where you have you know the best cards. You have your legendary cards or whatever you want to. Yeah, yeah. And we're only saying that you would have to spend one hundred fifty dollars if you're playing at like tournament level. Yeah, if you're just playing with a friend. Don't. <laughs> Yeah, don't spend that much money. I think uh, if you're plan- not planning on playing in tournaments in real life, I wouldn't even bother with owning real life cards, except for that they're fun to open and fun to have. In which case, I'm not going to criticize anybody for going out to the store and buying packs, you know, to try and get Tapule or whatever, because I love opening packs too. It's yeah, fun. Like, it's really great. Whenever we go to Target, we're just like, oh, I'll just get a pack. Yeah, it's it's like the high lows of like I I bought one pack the other night and I opened a Gardevoir G- yeah. GX and it just felt so good. Yeah, I haven't then, had like, that feeling in years. My <laughs> my friend Micah <laughs> bought uh, like six or seven packs and I don't think he pulled a single. Oh, you must feel so good. And the, but no, no, <laughs> I don't feel good because he didn't open anything good. Right. But it's like that high of low of like I got something really great and yep. like you spent a little more money and you didn't really like see a return in that but that's like how like the gotcha gotcha machines work in yeah. japan and stuff yep. of, like or lottery tickets and stuff it's, yeah exactly it's yeah, all... i mean it's the same kind of like addiction of like oh well, maybe it'll be good this time and you tell yourself you know i've opened enough packs this one's gotta be right. tapu lele and, and then it's uh or then, it. then you go down this dark road of i'm just gonna buy a booster po- box oh, of 36 packs dude, i have to get something good i mean one, everybody shed one tear for me. I opened a case of Guardians Rising, six booster boxes, because I knew it was going to be a good set. If I got, you know, four Tapu Leles in the set, I would have my money back easy. I opened one regular Tapu Lele and six booster boxes. Let's pour one out for the eight That's wishy-washies over- GX. <laughs> eight wishy-washy GX I That's opened. That's over 120 packs. That's over 120 packs. One Tapu Lele. Oh, man. Whereas, like, I've only opened maybe 40 packs on the online game, and I've gotten yeah. three. I I almost feel like the online pack pull rates are a little bit better than real life, and I have zero data to back this up. I pull bad everywhere, but I feel like I open more GXs total online than I would in real life. Like, so from 30 packs, whether or not they're good GXs, you know, I feel like I could open six or seven GXs from 30 packs online. And 30 packs in real life, I feel like I'd be lucky if I got a <laughs> freaking full art Salazzle GX. <laughs> sure, sure. 
Okay, so if I'm again, I'm the hot takes real quick. If I'm buying Guardians Rising, what am I looking for? Tapu Lele GX and uh, I mean Metagross is in that set. Alola Ninetales is in that set. Choice Band is in that set, which is really good. Guzma was in Burning Shadows. So Burning Shadows, what am I looking for? Guzma, Gardevoir GX, um, Glissopod GX. And what about Sun and Moon? Nothing anymore. Uh, like, there's not even... I can't think of anything that I play. Decidueye GX is in that, but he's been released in tins and stuff since then. And he's not very good anymore. Guardians Rising and Burning Shadows, both very good sets. Better than we've had in the past, you know, nine or ten sets or something ridiculous like that. Two in a row. Really great sets. The next few sets maybe aren't looking to be as good as those ones. So if you're going to invest money into codes online, those two sets are the ones. I wouldn't go for anything. Doesn't even matter if you're like, well, I need one more Charizard EX or whatever. Like, I wouldn't put any money into any packs because, I don't know, you sent me that site that kind of showed values of what packs are trading at. And Burning Shadows and um, Guardians Rising are consistently trading at like two or three of any other pack. Mm-hmm. Unless um, it's like something weird, like yeah, plasma n- noble storm. victories. <laughs> yeah, get those full art ends right. Uh, okay, cool. So uh, hopefully we can do this again. Yeah. Especially if the site rotates. You're very knowledgeable about TCG. I used to be that way. <laughs> we'll get you there. We'll get you back. Yeah, uh, and we're gonna but, go to a tournament soon too. I'm taking yes. you one. Yeah. yeah, I do want to go to a tournament before uh, sometime this fall. Mm-hmm. And I know you're going to one this weekend. Yeah, in Hartford, Connecticut, I'll be flying out there for some. Whew. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. I. Mm. Uh, not happy I'm about not, it. I'm not flying. I'm only driving to tournaments at oh, this yeah. rate. Oh, yeah. You're driving to Green Bay or nothing further than Green Bay. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, no Coon Rapids for me. I've oh, I hate Minnesota. <laughs> not interested in Coon Rapids anymore. Uh, where can our listeners find you? On Twitter, at Kid Stark. I never tweet anything there. You can find me. If you want to talk to me about uh, TCG stuff, you can find me in the hashtag TCG section of the Slack. I'll like chime in every once in a while there. And that was kind of more, I think it was like recently created, or at least it only recently showed up for me. Yeah. Uh, I'll check there more now. I'll check there more often. And if you guys have any questions about, um, like whether a card's good, you know, whether you should buy this or whether what should I do with my coins or whatever online, that's cool. I love that the site's kind of growing with you into your like back into TCG (laughs) thing. There's a ton of players that have been active in there and have been watching you on Twitch that I think it's really cool. Yeah. So and you have a lot of cards too, and you're you're pretty generous with trades. I'm pretty generous with trades. Yeah. Yeah. But just like, hey, I'm looking for one. I'm looking for some sycamores. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have sure a million you... sycamores. I can help out people who need sycamores. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So find me in the TCG Slack section. You can, you know, at re- or was it at reply me in yeah, within reply. the in the within the section. I'm new to the Slack. Yeah, Steve, help me out. The Slack lingo. What what is your Slack name? At kid. At kid Stark. Okay, uh, so very easy. S T A R C K. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll wrap up there. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake. But uh, yeah, we'll be back eventually. I mean, just stay tuned. Watch Slack. This will probably go to Patreon backers first before we put it to the real feed. But there you go. Thanks Uh, for having me. We'll see you guys next time.